1: if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. In today's episode, uh, we're going to interview Matthew Hammond, one of our community members and circle members. And if you have ever been in a position where you just felt like you're out of control, you felt like you didn't have a plan to get ahead or even understand what passive income and financial freedom even looks like, you're going to get a huge takeaway from today's episode. Now, a couple key takeaways. Number one, always be investing in yourself. Number two, don't forget to include your spouse. (laughs) Don't move without them. And number three, always listen to your friends. Uh, Unless you're Russ, and uh, Russ, you have a, a story about
0: that? Yeah, there are times where friends can lead you astray. I'll tell you one quick thing. This this interview I guess Matthew shares about buying a a, a rental property in the Smoky Mountains, Joey. I don't know if I ever told you a story, but me and four other couples um, went to Gatlinburg during Y two K. Right, so right before I remember uh, that. Yeah, you know, we party like it was nineteen ninety nine. And one of the couples I didn't know very well, they said they'd gone uh, several years, you know, and that this was a place they knew. And so they got this five-bedroom cabin. We all stayed in it, a lot of fun. And they said, hey, you know, about 11 o'clock, let's, let's travel over to Cherokee. Cherokee has a casino. And we're like, well, that sounds fun. You know, they'll give us something extra to do. So uh, about seven of us pile into my Ford Explorer that was That's not the, a that not a seven seater by the way i was about to say <laughs> it was not a seven seater so we we had um, a couple people in the very back and we're traveling over there and a few of these people had been drinking a lot and they also uh, smoked cigarettes and i i didn't let anybody smoke in my car so uh, we're driving these like back rows joey on the way to cherokee and i don't know windy, how far it is like- from gatlinburg to cherokee north carolina i'm gonna say probably straight shot 30 to 40 minutes it took us about an hour and 45 to get there because every 10 to 15 minutes I'm having to stop so they can smoke a cigarette on the side of the road and pee. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, we're gonna get pulled over and go to jail, no doubt. <laughs> we finally get there, and I, I think the alcohol, the liquid encouragement that most of them had is starting to wind down. Yep. And they walk into the casino with this excitement of okay, now I'm gonna get to refresh my alcohol and I'm gonna get to gamble, right? Just All the sins that one can do, smoking cigarettes, gambling, and drinking all at the same time, that's where we are. And we walk in the place, and you see see the waitress, and somebody's like, yeah, I'll take a Jack and Coke or 7 and 7, and the waitress is like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, we don't serve alcohol here. What? And everybody's like, exactly. What? What do you mean? You are a casino, right? You, what? That's like
1: second behind gambling.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like I thought that required, that was the necessary requirement to gamble, was alcohol. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, we're a dry county. We we don't serve alcohol. Oh. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, all right, well, show me where the craps tables are. And they're like, uh, yeah, about that. No craps tables? Uh, no table games at all. It was a fully digital casino. Queen casino. In 99? Yeah. Digital? It was brutal. So, Wow. I, I did find a craps table. It was a digital arcade game. <laughs> you know that thing is rigged. Oh, uh, come on. Now, you know, they're going to let one out of 14 people win on that thing. <laughs> So, so we're we're there about a total of forty minutes. I put fifty dollars in this machine. I actually, was doing pretty well. Uh, you know, the machine was letting me do pretty well. It wasn't like I was doing well. I, I won like two hundred twenty dollars. So I go to cash out, so we all could leave, get back into the car, and make the you know two and a half hour trip back to the back to the condo or the, to the uh, chalet or whatever. And the thing broke. It, it won't spit out the two twenty because I've literally capped how much money it can spit out. So I have to like you know, flag down the, the waitress with the orange juice and say, Hey, uh, can you, uh, you know, like get a manager or somebody over here who can pay us the money. And, and so this guy's coming over and he's got this confused look on his face and he's trying to figure out how to get the money. It's like, Hey, I tell you what, like, I'll, I'll, I'll have to like get somebody else to come help me with this. Why don't I you know, treat you guys to, to a mill? Oh, Oh, you're, you're thinking jackpot. Well, you know, like typically casinos, like one of the games is to keep you there, right? Yeah, because true. if they can keep you there, they can keep you spending money. So a lot of times they'll give you, I don't know if you've ever been to Las Vegas, Joey, or anything, but they, they'll give you like these buffet tickets. You show sure. upstairs and there's like lobster, there's crabs, there's prime rib. Like this thing is like typically you're like, oh yeah, we get ready to eat. And yeah. so he's like, let me walk you over here. And he pulls us up to the front counter of a delicatessen. <laughs> Like one that you would see like in you know, a Winn-Dixie, like a shopping. Like uh, a center. Subway? <laughs> Not even that fancy. <laughs> and so like you had to pick out your sub. That was, oh. this was the the meal that they were treating us to. It was like a hard baguette bread with like some salami and mayonnaise and pickles on it, right? So we're like, there we are like chewing our, our dinner. And to the guy who finally gives me the money, we get in the car. Now, the only beauty of this is now at this point, we get in the car and everybody goes to sleep. Except me, of course, and I'm I'm sitting up there in the front seat, like driving this just drunken stupor group, you know, back home. <laughs> the beauty was I could get there in 30 minutes, as compared to the hour and a half it took us to get there. The first part, the end of the story though doesn't end there. We get back and get everybody in in the house. Everything's fine. Three four weeks later, Joy, I, I'm riding uh, down the road. I'm like, man, my car smells. That's not uncommon. Yeah. Well, no, it was uncommon. I used to keep my stuff clean. Whoa. And so I I I go to the little car wash, and I'm, like, cleaning underneath the seat. What do I find underneath the back seat but one of those Subway sandwiches? Oh, <laughs> the, the gift the, that keeps giving. Yeah, salami is oh. still giving it to me. So here, here's the thing is that if you ever want to listen to a friend, check out what they're giving you first because I would have never, ever got in the car with that group of people and driven and wasted four hours of my life. <laughs> To ultimately, end up with a smelly sandwich in my car three weeks later. Man.
1: Well, that, that's not the, the experience that Matthew Hammond had. Uh, his cabin up in Pigeon Forge is doing amazing things and it is getting him the course to financial freedom. So, without further ado, that has nothing to do with Matthew Hammond. Let's jump into this interview with him.
0: Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street Podcast. There's always a moment here when we're we're trying to evaluate what's going on in our life and comparing it to others. And today's conversation, you're going to get to listen in as we talk with Matthew Hammond, and we we go through his journey into how covid, the the whole kind of shutdown of the economy, impacted your life, Matthew, but also the opportunity that came. From that, so I I would love to just kind of get a little background for those who haven't had chance to spend time with you in the inner circle. You are in sales, and you're you're in a world that uh, was impacted. Talk a little bit about that. Give us some background to what was going on in your life middle of 2020 last year.
2: Yeah, um, so so I'm in sales. I'm as you say. I was actually in manufacturing sales uh, to be more specific, and uh, a lot of the markets that we sold into were affected uh, dramatically by uh the covid virus um or covid-19 i should say and um and as a result of course uh, the products that we sold to those customers um, you know basically uh just went in the dumpster um and so of course my paycheck was affected as a result cuz uh, you know my pri- my primary um paycheck is based on commission. so so COVID definitely affected me and my wife my wife is also in sales uh, so we were both affected um, somewhat equally as a result
0: and um, so when you say and- you were impacted were you saying that the companies that you guys sold to were not open any longer and so you couldn't go sell to them or the products you guys were selling was no longer needed because they weren't being used what does that look like?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um uh, so a lot of the companies, because obviously everything everything pretty much shut down around the country when uh when the coronavirus was at its peak. And a lot of the companies that we sell to, uh whether it be um you know breweries or uh, or restaurants or um even retail stores to a certain degree, you know, a lot of these a lot of these companies shut down or or were limited on how many people that could come in and actually utilize their services and products. And so, as a result, obviously, their sales plummeted, and um, and of course, didn't need our products as much because of it. Uh, so it wasn't um, it wasn't anybody's fault per se. I mean, it literally was just affected by the virus from a uh, from a sales standpoint.
0: So when when all of that's happening, obviously, up to this point, talk a little bit about what you had been doing financially, like what mindset were you in, what were the things that you guys were doing to kind of insulate yourself if you will or prepare for something in the future
2: well uh well prior i mean prior you know we, we both we both made good livings in our w-2 jobs um but you know despite you know despite having you know decent paychecks to live off of we were still technically living paycheck to paycheck so um when, when the coronavirus hit and, you know, of course it affected our paychecks, that's, that's when my eyes were really open. And I said, look, we, I, I talked to my wife and I said, I don't know what we're gonna do, but we got to do something to where we are not slaves to our paychecks to where if this ever happens again or it get, gets worse, um, we'll have the opportunity to, um, you know, come out of it ahead as opposed to struggling to catch up with, uh, with everything. And so that's that's really was the uh the starting point of of our, you know, of our real estate and um and actually the IBC journey, uh, that's really what kind of springboarded it.
1: Well, let, let me ask you before we dip get into the IBC side and the real estate side, what would you have said, and maybe you, you can't even define it because a lot of people can't, but how would you say you and your wife were thinking about the idea of financial freedom or retirement? Like what would you say your mindset was about that side of things when you were just kind of living paycheck to paycheck up to that point?
2: Well, I really didn't have a concept. I mean, I knew what financial freedom was as, as, as a general concept, but I really didn't have a a concrete idea of what financial freedom really was. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we, we, we go to our jobs Monday through Friday, you know, we get a couple of days off on the weekends, get a few weeks off in the year to go on vacation. And that was basically our life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I love the people I work for and everything, but, you know, there's still limitations having a W2 job, even if you love the company you work for. And so, and so that financial freedom, as I understand it now, obviously a lot more, uh, lot more concretely, um, we definitely did not have it. Um, and I still don't technically have it now, but at least I'm on the journey to getting, getting to that point,
0: fortunately. You said now you know you have it concretely. Explain to the person listening to you what that means. What What is it from your point of view now that you know that you didn't really know before that?
2: Well, so, you know, using my son as an using our son as an example, you know, he has baseball games that he plays in or, uh, you know, he he's in chorus. So he uh, he sings in concerts and and um, and everything and. And again, our, you know, our companies were very flexible with that respect. You know, we could always go and ask to say, look, my, my son's got a baseball game today. I was wondering if I could leave an hour early uh, so that I could make it. And uh, and of course, they were always amenable to that. But it still didn't change the fact that I had to ask. <laughs> so I, I would rather be to a point where, you know, if my son's doing something, I don't have to go to anybody and ask permission. I want to be able to say, yeah, absolutely. I'll be there.
0: Well, define how do you get there? I think for the person who maybe listened to this podcast episode, never listened to another episode, maybe like, okay, but how do you get there? They're like, but, yeah, I want that too, but what, how does that happen? What, what, is the, what do you think is, or what do you know is the way to get there?
2: Well, the, the key that the, as I understand it and as I've come to understand it is that, you know, rather than working for your money, you need to have your money working for you and my wife and i up to this point have been working for our money and uh i mean which is great we're very fortunate to have our jobs we didn't lose our jobs during the pandemic so we were very blessed compared to a lot of other people so i mean i and uh and i feel for anybody who who was hurt even more than we were uh during that time um, and still is um but the Fact still remained that we were working for our money and we were not having our money work for us. And I just feel like when we can actually put our dollars to work um, for us, then really the sky's the limit as far as compounding that that income. Mm-hmm. And when that income's coming in passively, where you can actually you don't have to go to a job for eight hours to get that paycheck, you can actually make money while You're at the baseball game, or you can make money while you're at the course concert. That right there is what financial freedom is to me.
0: So that means getting cash flow coming in that's alternative to your active income. You use the word passive, and I I love that that when we have assets that produce income streams that we don't go to work for, it can work for us, right? Now before before all of this happened, where was your money residing? Where were you putting money before you came to this realization? Um, basically,
2: checking and savings account. <laughs> um, you know, my paycheck would go into my checking account, and then of course, we'd pay all our bills. And then, if anything was left over at the end of the month, it would go into a savings account, and it would just sit there until we were running behind on bills and needed to pull out, pull it out, or. Uh, you know if we wanted to buy something and didn't have the funds in the checking account i mean it's but basically it was just sitting there dead in the savings account so earning. you
0: guys weren't doing any of the traditional 401ks ira stuff like that
2: well i'm sorry yes we were we do have we do have uh you know the traditional retirement accounts i mean we had an iras uh we yeah. do have 401ks as well um uh, so it was going in there as well. But of course, I, it's funny you say that because it didn't, that the 401ks and the IRAs did not come to mind when you asked the question, because as far as I'm concerned, that money doesn't exist because I can't touch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, that Wall Street has done such an amazing job when they convinced <laughs> us that the money that we worked so hard to get and put in there doesn't exist. I, I love the way you said that. Like I magic. Think, I think that they yeah. would be clapping right now as they heard you say that. Yes, it's worked. <laughs> right exactly well you used a, a key a key word in there you said was going in there what does that mean
2: well um, so uh, you know when when the CARES Act was passed um, I looked uh, you know I was I was reading up on like all of my reading went from um, you know uh, just entertainment literature to nothing but investing literature. I just, I mean, every book I was picking up had some sort of investing, whether it be real estate or uh, any, anything that I could do or that I could come up with to generate passive income. Mm. And, and the one key f- factor that, uh, that all of these books really, uh, really included was the need for capital to start. Yeah. Um, cause you really, you really can't get started. I mean, you can't make any money without money. So, so that was the. That was the um the influence uh for using that CARES Act to go into our IRAs and pulling money out of our IRAs so that we could have that startup capital so that we could actually get started investing and hopefully building up that passive income um portfolio.
1: Now, how how was that with you and your wife? Were you the one kind of taking the lead saying, Okay, we got to get some passive income? I, I I don't know where we're gonna go, but I'm gonna start reading. Or was she also reading at the same time? Like who who was who was doing what during that time?
2: So I, w- I was doing all the reading and coming up with the ideas. And then when I when I came up with the idea of pulling money out of our 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 retirement funds, um, I went to my wife and uh, I would kind of hinted at it a little bit here and there. But when I finally said, look, this is what we're gonna do. I just need to convince her. <laughs> so I went to her and I said, hey, I got a great idea. Um, I know we've been talking about, you know, getting into some investing. Um, we're not 100 percent sure on what we're going to do yet, but I do know that we're going to need money to do it. So with this CARES Act, we have the opportunity to pull money out of our retirement funds without that 10 percent penalty. And uh, and we can even spread out the taxes over three years. So, I mean, it's if, if there was ever a time to do it, it's right now. Mm-hmm. And so that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pull out the maximum amount out of your IRA so that we can have something to uh, to start with. And, um, she just stared at me for a minute and then, uh, (laughs) and then, uh, and then once I finally picked her up off the floor, uh, (laughs) um, I, I explained a little more in detail what the plan was. And, um, and from that point on, she said, look, I mean, everything you say makes sense. You know, let's go for it. I mean, if, if, if not now, when?
0: I just read this comment. It was so drawing joy. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter
1: Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's
0: where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing, and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now, let's get back to this episode. Well, so I, I want to kind of recap what I've heard here, Joey. So he has kind of said, hey, look, you know, verbalizing what so many of us have experienced in life and, and maybe still going through living paycheck to paycheck living activity to activity right yep. never really able to see a little past the past our our nose if you will of what lies before us but also having this undergirding this 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 challenge of when i want to do something i'm not able to go and evaluating your positions so well you said here's a here's a place our money is not necessarily in our control because we've been putting it away and have almost forgotten about it. The the way out of this strategy is I've got to create income streams that would equal or exceed our current monthly expenses, maybe even equal or exceed our current active incomes. And the avenue is freeing our dollars from these IRA plans. And now, man, the government... Government has actually given us a window, right? <laughs> like they've actually given us a real opportunity here to take advantage of it. So when you think about like getting dollars back into your control, in steps a friend, and some somebody, you know, there's always somebody in our life that whether it's a mentor or a buddy, that will share an idea with us that can make a difference. Talk about a little bit about that interaction. That you had with a friend on—I think you guys maybe were on a trip or something like that. Of maybe where—where where were those dollars? Where could they go? How could you get those dollars into your control? What did that look like? So,
2: so uh, we took a, took advantage of the CARES Act and um, and of course got that money out and put it in our savings account and then it sat there until we could figure out what we wanted to do with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was earning that awesome, you know, 0.01% interest uh, while <laughs> it was sitting there. So, that, uh, you know, it, w- it was making big bucks while we were waiting. <laughs> right. um, and uh, a friend of mine, Brent from uh, church, actually, we, we got to talking and he was kind of, kind of in the same boat as I was as far as, you know, trying to come up with some ideas to, uh, to try to get into more passive income opportunities. And he actually, we we did, were just talking, and he said, you know what, there's this podcast I've been listening to, uh, Wealth Without Wall Street, and they have an interesting concept, uh, and it's called Infinite Banking. And what you ought to do is you ought to ought to listen to a couple episodes, and there's actually a book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Um, I've already read it, Brent said, I've already read it, so you're welcome to borrow it. And and so I said, yeah, that's no problem. He said, um, I, I've never been much of a reader. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll read it here and there, but if it doesn't grab my attention in the first chapter, I'm putting it down and never picking it back up. <laughs> right. Um, but Brent and Brent knew that, that, but he said, uh, you know, the book's only like 80 something pages. So surely you should be able to get through that at least. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, let me, uh, let me grab it. I'll, and uh, I'm going to the lake with my son and wife, uh, in a couple of weeks. So I'll, you know, I'll read it at the lake if I don't have anything better to do. And, um, so we get to the lake. And um, I picked up the book because I was just sitting on the couch. We had already come back from uh, on the, out being out on the boat and I was tired. And so I just wanted to relax. So I saw the book sitting there. So I picked it up and and opened it up and started reading it. And literally by page two, like I was completely hooked. Like I could not put it down. Um, I literally blew through that book and probably a total read time of maybe I don't know, maybe an hour and a half or so while I was on that lake trip. I mean, I just could not put it down. I was excited about everything that the author, obviously Nelson Nash, you know him, um, was saying in this book. And um, and what was even funnier is I was trying to relay that excitement to my wife and son, who obviously were not reading the book, <laughs> and and uh, they just they just they just looked at me like I was an idiot because I'm trying to <laughs> relay this excitement and trying to explain what I'm reading. And, uh, and even though it made sense in my mind, I could not convey it to them to where it would make sense to them. Mm. Um, I I mean, it would, it would just click for me. And I was like, this, this is the way to go. This is what we got to do to, to, uh, to hold our money for these opportunities. I mean, this is perfect system. And every time I told my wife, like, this is the perfect system. This is what we got to do. She's like, well, I mean, if you, if you like it, then, then yeah, we'll look into it. But like, I just could not convey that excitement <laughs> to her, like I so what, really wanted to. So,
0: so what did you do? How how long did it? Did you just move without her, or did ultimately you guys do something to help her understand so that way she was ex, as excited about it as you were?
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm. Uh, I'm the head of my household in name only, so I'm not. Move, I'm not doing anything <laughs> without her.
0: <laughs> Good. I, I just wondered. You know, I, I mean, I've heard that there are guys like that. I just knew Joey and I were uh, the, part of the that wisdom group. that he just. Yeah, she, uh, she likes. She likes to, down.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my my wife. I, I, I love her to death, and um, and and occasionally she she lets me believe that I have the power in the household, but you know, <laughs> we we all know the truth. So, so that being said. Uh no, I did not immediately jump into it without her. Uh, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to get her on board with the same level of excitement that I did because I I don't wanna I don't wanna have to be dragging her across the finish line every time that we're doing something new. So I wanted her to have that excitement as well so that we're both running across the finish line together. And so, you know, of course, I was listening to more and more of your podcast episodes regarding the IBC. Um, and then of course I joined the community. And I saw that y'all had a lot of training programs on there. So I, um, I looked at the IBC 101 program and, uh, I said, this is it. This is what we need to do. These are videos. I don't have to hand her a book. I don't have to get her. I mean, she would be willing to read it, but i you know, it'd be on her time. And I didn't want to wait a couple of years for her to get up the motivation to read it. I wanted to, (laughs) I wanted to start as soon as possible. So, um, so I said, this is what we'll do. We'll watch, we'll watch the IBC 101 training together. And hopefully that will at least generate that excitement that I'm feeling about it for in her. So so that's what we did. And uh, for the for the next couple of nights, we sat down and we uh, I casted it on my T R T V and we watched it in the living room and we watched each individual, uh, each individual video. And um, and of course, I was, you know, I was watching the video, but I was also looking over at her just trying to get get some sort of reaction from her. <laughs> And uh, she's very stoic when she watches things. I mean, she so it was hard to get a read on her. She's um, giving you nothing. You just, she's giving you, me nothing. She's, yeah. she's a phenomenal poker player, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I couldn't really get a read on her. Um, but we get to the last video and uh, the video, I'm sure, you know, it was the, the two sisters. It was the case study with the two sisters who were actually buying a car. And one of the sisters was using a, uh, um, a CD and the other sister was using the IBC policy and they were, and it basically just laid out all the numbers on, on where the sisters were at the end of paying off those cars, as far as like how much money they had left, how much money they had generated from each of those processes. Mm. And, um, and so that, that video ended and, um, and she looked to me and she goes still stoic, still 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 had her poker face on but she just looks to me and goes you know they really should have led with that video <laughs> and right then I was like yes I got her
0: <laughs> so at that point she saw she saw it in action and and that video it does a good job of helping I, by the way it's so interesting that you said that we should have led with that video because I've told this story several times on the podcast that was what hooked me too. Like I was at a a seminar, I had heard the concept of infinite banking. I'd also heard that they use dividend paying whole life insurance. And I thought, yeah, that's not for me. And, (laughs) and then when an opportunity finally hit me, you know, kind of like you were, we're putting a position where I needed to start looking for ideas, market crash. Then I sat in and, and watched an hour presentation. And that presentation consisted of basically that exact example. How Two people could buy cars using two completely separate systems, do the same exact thing, and one end up with a lot more capital, a lot more money, a lot more opportunity. And it was like, oh, wow, we need to do that. So I I love the fact that you're sharing that. And if you're listening and and you would love to be able to watch that same video, you actually can join our inner circle. And we have a seven-day free trial. And as a member of that, you can get access to that course for free. Normally, that course um, is $197, but as a member of the Inner Circle, you can get access to it, uh, access to it for free. Um, when you join the Inner Circle, you'll get a, a 15-minute call with one of our coaches, and they can actually give you that link to that. So I appreciate you sharing that, Matthew, because that, that's huge. Let, let's, let's move a little faster now because I, I do want to get to the financial freedom part of this, right? Because ultimately, that's just storing cash. And we got to get our cash in a place that we can control. We got to, I, I believe, get it out of accounts so that we can't touch for 60 years that's not in line with our purpose, what we're wanting to have for our family. Sitting and checking accounts is not a good idea. It's dead. It, that money is taking a nap. It doesn't earn much, as you already mentioned. And even worse, when we spend it, it no longer can earn anything. So using infinite banking can get the best of both worlds, get a, a, a fair return on our cash, but even more important, allow that cash to keep growing regardless of what we do. So now you started to, you said you're researching, you're doing, um, reading everything you can consume. You got this money, you've, you set it up into a cash uh, value account, you've set up your first system. How did, where does the passive income come into to this story? So, um, so as I said
2: earlier, I was, I was listening to, I listened to a lot of your, I will say that your, your podcast actually was the first podcast that I actually ever that I actually listened to religiously. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, I, you know, I listened to pot other podcasts here and there, just if I have time or whatever, but yours, I actually look forward to every episode because I, I know that it's going to have some sort of nugget of information that's going to help me in this journey that we're talking about. Um, so that being said, you so I was, I was listening to some other episodes and another episode came on, uh, from your, um, from your podcast with, uh, Avery Carl interview with Avery Carl on short-term rentals and, um, and specifically short-term rentals in the Smoky Mountains. And, and it was funny, Brent and I actually, my friend Brent uh we talked about it and we both heard that he actually he actually told me about the episode and I said well let me skip ahead and see if I can find this episode because I want to hear about it and we got to talking about it and we said man this this is the way to go right here I think cuz i mean just the just the cash flow from a short term rental just blows away uh long term rental cash flows i mean now long term rentals great in uh, in the long run you know if you have a good portfolio but but short term rentals in the short run i mean just kill it on cash flow from from what we've heard and read and uh, so that, I mean, we were immediately motivated. I, I, I set up a call with Avery and um, she gave me the rundown of um, of how it works. And uh, and of course, my wife was on that call this time, so I didn't have to relay, relay that information to her this time, fortunately. So, um, so we were both on board immediately. And so that's when we started uh, looking for our first short-term rental property. And we ended up purchasing a cabin up in the Smoky Mountains, Um, we actually closed on it back in October and, um, it's doing better than we could ever have imagined.
0: I mean, talk about what that, what that looks like. I mean, most people have never, you know, bought a place and put it up for rent like that. Talk about that process and and what does it look like? How, How do you interact with it as an owner and, um, and, and obviously do you guys then go ever to it as well to, to use it personally?
2: So we we close on the cabin. The nice thing about these, especially in the in that market, uh, the nice thing about these are they're they're turnkey. So, you know, when you purchase it, you know, there may be like one or two things to do to maybe put your personal touch on it. But for all intents and purposes, it's ready to rent from day one. Mm. And and so that was that was a big thing for me because you know, the 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 cabin was about three and a half hours uh from our house. Yeah. So obviously we don't have the opportunity to drive up there every day to to get it ready for renting, right? Uh, so, so the turnkey aspect of it was was a big selling point for us. Um, so we closed on the cabin, and uh, and the nice thing about uh, the short term shop, which is Avery's um, company up there, um, it's basically an all all inclusive service. I mean, they 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 help you buy the cabin, they help you with the training, they train you on how to run your own short term rentals. So you don't have to hire a property manager; you can do it yourself. You can self manage. And uh, and that way you're maximizing your return on the investment because you don't have to pay that percentage to the property managers. Um, and, and they give you all the tools you need. They have training that that actually they train you on the tools that you need to self-manage, um, whether it be the, you know, the property management software that you use, the pricing software that you use. Um, and, of course, they train you on, you know, Airbnb and BRBO, the two major platforms. And... Um, and so it's, it's all, I mean, it really truly is turnkey. And we, we were really excited about that. And, um, so I've been, I've been self-managing it since, you know, since day one. And, you know, I spend maybe 30 minutes a week <laughs> on, on just general stuff. Um, you know, we'll go up there occasionally. Um, my wife would like to go up there more than I, um, my, my, my uh, I love the mountains. Don't get me wrong, but but my my number one priority is I want it to be rented. I want to be making money from it. So if, right. if we're planning on going up on uh, for a weekend and then somebody comes in with a last minute rental, I'm like, oh well. <laughs> I'd rather have the money.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly.
2: Uh, so um, so we do take advantage of it when when there's time, but. But honestly, fortunately, with the with the occupancy rates up there, especially during the pandemic, um, because that market was really, really strong for short-term rentals during the pandemic because, um, well, obviously travel in general was restricted in a lot of ways. But this this type of market, you can actually drive to, for one. Um, there's single-family homes. The cabins are all separate from each other. So you can drive up there and you can be isolated from people. I mean, there's still t- tourist attractions, obviously, that attract people there, but But if you want to just go up there and just get away from everybody else, you can go up there and spend a week in a cabin, rent it and not have to worry about being around other people (laughs) if that's your, if that's your goal for your vacation. So it really was ideal for, uh, for our, you know, the, the situation with the pandemic too.
0: You talked about occupancy and obviously the higher the occupancy, the more cash flow that leads to Uh, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast may have, bought a rental property in the past, more the traditional method, right? They put someone in there for a year, two years, three years. And in most of those properties, they get a mortgage on it and their cash flow tends to be between two to $500 a month is what they would experience per property. How, how has your experience been in the short-term rental uh, world in, in that market?
2: Man, in that market, um, our net cash flow after expenses each month um, can range anywhere from really in the slow in the slow months which really there are no slow months, but even in the slow months you're still you're still cash flowing about two to three thousand dollars. Wow. yeah and in the uh, in the strong months in the prime season months, uh, summer and wintertime, um, you can cash flow you can cash flow six to ten thousand dollars a month. Mm. depending on depending on what kind of property you have of course i mean it's all dependent on the property but
0: yeah man that, that is amazing and, and I, I know that obviously the the market there is is a little bit harder to to get into right you mentioned that i mean have you guys been looking at expanding um up there
2: yes uh we're shopping around for uh for cabins right now um we're actually we've actually chosen several different markets that we're looking into we're actually looking in in uh, Tennessee, um, we're looking in the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains of Georgia, and uh, we're actually also looking in the Gulf Shores because um, that's a strong short-term rental market as well. Um, yeah. So, so we're, we're shopping in several different markets um, and just uh, just uh, looking for that next opportunity.
1: So, so tell us, I mean, this is awesome to hear your whole journey up to this point. What do you feel like is a reasonable time frame that you guys will be financially free where you can put the stamp on there and say, man, I don't have to go and ask anybody for this permission to do what I want to do.
2: If my plan comes to fruition, (laughs) um, I I would expect if if I'm able to scale the short-term rentals, like I'm hoping to, I would, I would hope to be financially free by definition, you know, within the next five years or so
0: man. That is so awesome. How how cool is that? I mean, that's, isn't that an awesome thing? And if you're not watching this, Matthew is not 55. He's not 65. (laughs) So when he says I'll be financially free in five years where most people, they would say, Oh, well, you know, yeah. I mean, my parents retired when they were 72, you know, that, that, that makes sense. But when you're, when you're thinking about it in light of no, like I'm, I'm young, I've got children in the house. And I could potentially have the ability if I want to, right? And you guys may decide that you want to keep doing your day jobs, and that's awesome. That's the that's the the want to part, and not the have to part, which makes that conversation completely different. And I think it also allows you to work better for your job. I think when we're, we're bogged down with the have to, we, we we feel the burden of that. Sometimes we're not as productive in our in our work. But when we go because we're passionate about it, man, we're truly able to serve at a higher level. I love the fact that you have that goal and you and you can see the light. You feel that you could be there in five years. So I totally think that that's an opportunity for all of us to take into account that there is a path. You've laid it out. you got to get your money in your in your control. Once you've decided what you want, that's the clarity piece. Get it in control and then pick the course that you're going to take to get there. And Matthew, thank you for sharing that. I, I love the way you, you were able to not only educate yourself, but also be able to in, influence uh, and educate your family. And I think that that's going to have long-term impacts, especially as your son, because he's sitting there watching you right now. He's watching what you guys are doing and his story will be different because of what you've learned over the last year.
2: Yeah, it's, I'm really excited to see his interest. He's 15 years old now and, um, and he actually is asking to go to go with me to real estate investor meetups. Oh, cool. So he he's actually been to several meetups and he's, he's kind of, I mean, he's a sponge right now. So I mean, he's just soaking in all the knowledge. And of course I'm, I'm still learning too. So I'm by no means an expert on anything. So, uh, so we're learning together. So I'm really excited to see where that takes him.
1: Well, I, I'm going to end with this one last question and then we'll wrap up. But, so, talk about how it feels today, on this whole journey, compared to pre-COVID. Your family, you personally, you and your wife, your marriage—like, what what are some of the things you would say is, are the differences in the way you feel today versus then?
2: Just my overall outlook on life in general is so much more positive. Um, you know, I, I had a good—I have a don't get me wrong, i had a really good life pre-COVID. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Um, but, um, but now, you know, I still have a really good life, but I also have the ability to make an even better life for me and my family. And that, that outlook is just, it's just that, that positive outlook is just, uh, it's just what fuels me.
1: Mm. Well, I I hear a bunch of confidence. That's, I mean, to me, there's so many people that are stuck before I'm just using pre COVID, right? they're stuck in that same boat. They don't have any aim or goal or whatever it may be. But now I hear somebody saying, man, I have a plan and if all goes well, five years from now, like there's so much confidence in a statement like that. And I want that for people. Like I want, that's why Russ and I do what we do is we, we had to learn with a bunch of bumps and bruises along the way. In fact, I had to pay for the book (laughs) <laughs> he charged me 20 bucks.
0: I would have given it to you, Matthew. I would have made you buy it. I mean, but. <laughs> I'm grateful that Brent was your a real friend and that you borrowed
1: him, but, and, uh, but we had to learn the hard way so that we could lay out the path. And man, just hearing your story, just, it gets me so fired up. Like there's real impact happening when people take action and do this. So I'm, I'm really grateful for you being able to come on and I'm hoping that so many people are being
0: inspired by what you're saying. Well, one last thing too, I would love for you to speak into this because, you know, we, we like to refer to the GPS. That's our, our direction. So many of us can't get in the car and drive to the coffee shop without putting in something in GPS. But Joey and I think of GPS as having a goal, having a plan, but then also having the support to execute. So talk a little bit about the support piece and how important that is, like your experience within the inner circle, having a coach, um, one of our coaches, I know you've worked with Mark, talk a little bit about that as we finish, because I I don't want to take that for granted, because I believe that part is what is, is the missing ingredient sometimes in the world is that sometimes we get goals, we get plans, but we don't have the support to get us that final mile. Would you mind speaking as we finish up, just as to your experience to that, somebody who's listening going, should I be a part of this community? Should I be a part of this inner circle? Should I be having these calls with these coaches? How has that been for you?
2: Man, it's been phenomenal because, uh, and this is 100% honest, um, I definitely would not be where I am right now without the support, not only from Wealth Without Wall Street, the podcast, um, but Mark's uh, guidance on the IBC policies, um, my friend Brent, because I, I love the fact that he's kind of doing the same thing I'm doing so that we're able to bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and in uh, the inner circle, I mean, it is it is worth its weight in gold as far as I'm concerned, uh, because I love the Thursday roundtables that we do because I get so many ideas on how I could better utilize my policy. Um, how I can be more efficient with my policy. Um, I love the fact that you guys do that. And please don't ever stop doing that <laughs> because I will be there every Thursday.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you for for sharing. Um, and we appreciate you as always for listening to this podcast. Hope you'll take action on this. Hope I can't wait for the day that we get a chance to interview you and to hear your story, just as Matthew, you shared yours with us. So thanks so much uh, for being on the show today. Thank you so much. Glad to be here.